Hey, this is Kevin. And I'm Josh. And on this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry, we talk to Adam. Oh, so you're doing it. Yes, I am. I I feel compelled at this point. (laughs) Um, He is an insurance broker. And before you stop listening to this episode, please understand that insurance is a critical component to productions. And if you've had any questions about insurance, listen to the episode. Yep. So yeah, man, uh, thank Adam. Thanks for coming on. Um, you know, real quick, just kind of explain everyone how I met Adam. Like I was literally looking for short-term production insurance and, you know, came across rap book and you guys were one of the fastest to get back to me, you know, had a really competitive number and, uh, super easy to work with. So, you know, then I got the crazy idea. I was like, Oh man, Adam would be really good to have on the podcast and talk about production insurance because along with, you know, personal accounting, production insurance and, and entertainment law, those are like the three areas <laughs> no one ever hears about. And they're like the most important. You yeah, know? And that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, and, and people need to understand that you can uh, be cre- you know, as creative as you you know, you want, but there's different avenues to uh, production and you need to be able to, um, handle insurance, even if you don't want to handle insurance. So mm-hmm. on, on that note, can you, you know, can you give us a little rundown as to who rap book is and how long you've been, um, you know, handling insurance for productions? Yeah. So rap book is, is a company. We do both production insurance as well as production payroll. And it came about, I work on the insurance side, uh, and it came about when Film Casualty, an insurance agency run by uh, Cameron, my colleague, he's a former producer. Uh, He is a nerd, and he met some uh, tech nerds and some payroll nerds who are equally as nerdy about tech and payroll as he was about insurance. So now we are a technology company that offers insurance but also offers uh, one of the most competitive payrolls on the market, with the whole goal being that you know, you guys are filmmakers and we're filmmakers too. And you want to put as much of your energy and money um, into your production. If you're not putting it on screen, then you're putting it into, into your crew's stomachs or, or into your kids' college funds. So we want you to be able to use that energy and use that money um, for those ends rather than getting tied up with complicated payroll. And uh, insurance and payroll are both things that if you if you don't do it well, or if you don't partner with a good company, um, you know, when you partner with a good company, you don't have to really think about it um, unless there's a claim, Lord knows. Uh, but, you know, generally it should be something that you always know has your back. And um, we strive to do that. Um, Cameron, my colleague, is a producer. Uh, I'm a former AD um, and creative in general. So part of why we both got into this was we love working with filmmakers and we have had hangups on this and thought like, this is a stupid insurance thing. I don't understand this. Um, so we've, we've been down some of those same roads. So we learned how to do this stuff so that we could do it for our own productions. And now we get to help walk filmmakers through this process and hopefully make this part of filmmaking, this like essential, but it's not a screenplay. It's not actors. It's not cinematography. It's not the stuff that you see on the screen. Hopefully make this easier, maybe even enjoyable. <laughs> maybe. We make jokes sometimes. Sometimes people laugh. <laughs> well, 
you know, before we hopped on with you, um, Josh and I were actually reminiscing on how we constantly hear about short-term production insurance being an mm-hmm. issue. And hence, actually, why Josh reached out to you at first is because he needed short-term insurance. What's how, how do most of those conversations go with a filmmaker? They, they reach out and say, I would imagine, um, I've, I personally have never had to do short-term insurance. I have insurance through the, with, you know, with my company, um, you know, mm-hmm. year round. Um, I actually know a few filmmakers that have told me that they had to get short-term insurance because of XYZ location, or yeah. they were getting a Ferrari and they had to have it because they were renting it and it was going to be driven instead of just being in the background of a sh- of a shot or anything like that. So how do most of those conversations go? when someone says, hey, I have to get short-term insurance and I don't want to, but I have to. (laughs) Well, it depends on what day of the week it is. So on a Monday, it's more what you just said. People saying, I have to get short-term insurance. Um, You know, I'm working with a rental house. I'm working with a location or a grip truck company or something like that. And they require insurance and I need it. So that's Monday. Wednesday is more or less the same. Um, Friday <laughs> is when the frantic calls start coming. Oh my gosh, my cinematographer ordered this really nice camera, but didn't communicate with me about it. And now I need $200,000 more of insurance and it closes in five minutes. And what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, first off, you know, I used to be an AD. We're used to things breaking or, uh, you know, stressed out people. So it's always calm down, come on, calm down. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and I get them a quote. Um, we never take a broker fee. So whatever I quote you always comes, uh, for as affordable as I can get it, um, for my own productions. So, um, get them a quote, try to save them what what money that we can get them exactly what the, uh, company needs and no more and, um, and get them on their way. So when it's, when it's on a Monday, there's a lot more of a conversation about, okay, what are some of the risks that you're expecting in your production? Um, You seem to be really concerned about the hard drives you're using. So we want to make sure that we get you some faulty stock coverage so that if you have a hard drive crash, you're covered. Mm -hmm. Um, Or um, you you may be shooting in this mansion, which requires this kind of coverage, but you might cut that mansion scene. And so I get them two different quotes. One of the most common things... Um, I'll talk with people about, especially on the, on the really tight budgets is stunts. A lot of stunts don't qualify for workers comp and you have to find it from a state provider or someone like that. Um, and a lot of stunts, uh, up your general liability. Basically, you know, if there's a fight scene, there's more likelihood that someone's going to get hurt, um, more likelihood that something's going to get broken and more likely that a lawsuit could come out of it. Hopefully none of those things will happen. And in my six months here at Rap Book, none of that has happened. But still, there's always a, an, and they call it a stunt buyback. So um, sometimes with filmmakers from my own creative background, I'll say, all right, so here are your options. You can either pay the buyback um, and, and do everything that you want, um, I hear that you really want uh, firing weapons in this scene. Well, if you did that in post, which a lot of people are doing, then um, then this is what would apply, and it would be a whole lot cheaper than using firing weapons. How important is that for your vision? Hmm. And and then we have that conversation. And really, the filmmaker's vision is very important. If um, 
if they opted to go with something, do something in post, and then they get to post and they realize I really should have done it, done it real. I want to make sure I know that so that I can at least give them what it will cost and they can make that call for themselves. But if they want to, if they realize I had someone who did a fight scene and then they realized, oh, you know, for my fight scene, these people are thrown around, but the way I'm planning to shoot it, you don't really see any of that. So it's like, here, this guy moves his arms. This guy ducks out of frame, shot exactly how he wanted to, but none of it qualified as a stunt. So he didn't have to pay for the stunt buyback. And we just described that well to the insurance company, what he was going to do, and they okayed it. Now, do you see a difference if someone, you know, if a filmmaker comes to you and says, well, it's on private property. Is there a difference between public and private property with, with instances such as that? Um, for me, I always like to see people's requirements. Um, that's what I want to do. I want to see if you're shooting in a place where someone has insurance requirements, um, I want to see them so I can match them exactly so that they won't find themselves shut out of their location, which can happen just as much on private property as public property if they're not meeting the requirements. Now, like shooting in your own house, um, a lot of filmmakers will say, I'm shooting in my own house, so I want you know, basic, basic coverage that will cover this or that being broken um, or this or that claim, but I don't want to go for a much larger policy. So we'll talk about the things that they're concerned about, and I'll get them coverage for that if there's not like – if there's not a list of things like a rental house or like um, film LA might give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, as for those of you listening, you should have production insurance for all your productions, whether it's private or public. Um, you know, the, the reason why I asked you that question was to see what you hear in terms of, you know, when people do reach out to you and I can understand have, you know, wanting the base insurance, if you're shooting in your own private house and it's, you know, you're taking on more of, a, of the risk, but it doesn't, it really shouldn't matter whether it's a private or a public location. You, you should have insurance. It's, it's, it's a critical yeah. component. Explain the, explain the liability there. If you, if you can like Adam of like, yeah, it's my own property, but there's still people coming on my property, you know, working maybe even for free whatever what are they exposed to by not having insurance whether it's you know even if it is private property like because i think there's probably some misconceptions that if we film at my house everything's going to be hunky-dory yeah because i mean it's as simple as a piece of speed rail being jammed into someone's shoulder on accident and next mm -hmm. thing you know their shoulder is cut open I mean, it's it's not what you anticipate. It's just the unfortunate reality is it could happen. A C-stand falls over, I mean, and shatters a glass table. I mean, these are things that can honestly happen on set. Yeah. So if you were shooting in my house, I would require for you to have general liability. And that covers people unaffiliated with your production, like pizza boy falls, he gets hurt when he's bringing you lunch. Um, it pays some medical expenses for that. It covers some property damage. Again, for things unaffiliated with your production, um, you accidentally break a neighbor's window in the baseball throwing scene. You never expect that those things will happen, but those liabilities arise out of any sort of film production. There's also the possibility that someone will sue. Um, hopefully never. I haven't had a claim like that yet, but it exists because it's a really common thing, whether someone is 
not able to get to work or they say that they um i don't know that the character who bears their same name was based on them Mm -hmm. something like that so general liability is important i'd require you to have third-party property damage which were which covers damage to your rented premises like my house so when you're laying down speed rail or you're setting down gaff tape or something like that the gaff tape, even though it's great, it doesn't really leave residue, but sometimes it does. And sometimes the paint is old and it rips all the paint off a wall. Sometimes the speed rail scuffs up someone's nice wood floors, even though we're being really careful. Yeah. And that covers those sorts of damages to your um, uh, to your rented premises. Uh, I'd also require you to have workers comp. Um, I know we love to have contractors in the film world. Um and now AB5 has really challenged the, – the California bill with, with Uber has really challenged the notion of who is purely a contractor, who's an employee. That's a larger payroll issue. But as far as insurance is considered, workers' comp provides, uh, pro- provides health coverage, death benefits should the worst happen to your crew. And I was and, an AD, and when you say I, when you say crew, mm-hmm. is, that, is that payroll crew or is that um, – does that include contractors as well? It's a great question. So it depends on the policy. In California, contractors aren't included on workers' comp, and workers' comp is based on your total payroll. But a number of different states will allow volunteers to be covered by workers' comp hmm. and other sorts of folks that aren't on payroll. So really, if you were getting a quote from me, I would look up your state laws and find out, try to make sure that people that you want covered are covered. But I think it's really important to have coverage for our crew in film, all sorts of things can happen, whether it's someone getting hurt driving errands. I was stepped on by a horse on a production. Why was I stepped on by a horse? I don't know. <laughs> I was supposed to give supposed to give water to this guy and um, did exactly how I was supposed to do. And uh, as he took the water, the horse decided to jump up and down and do a dance that it had never done before. And um, it managed to catch me. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so having that protection for your crew ensures that should something happen because of your dream or your commerce, however you look at your film, um, that your crew would be will be covered, um, that they're not risking life and limb to make this thing happen. But they are, in fact, covered should the worst happen. Right. And so, you know, kind of unpacking some of that more too to go back around to the stunts. Um when you say that the stunts aren't covered under workers' comp, can you exp- or that you have to then go through a state policy? Can you kind of ex- you know like dig a little deeper into that and explain that? Yeah, that's a great question. So every insurance company gets to determine what they will and won't cover. Mm-hmm. And we write with two different companies here at Wrapbook, and we're always expanding. So if you talk to us again next year, maybe we'll have added even more to the mix to try to get options for our filmmakers and the best price. Um, but if with the main one that we quote uh, short-term policies through, we use Abacus, which is really standard in the industry. Most anyone who's done insurance on their short film has probably had an Abacus policy at some point. And most of the sorts of stunts that they have or big animals like horses or fire. Um, the providers that they write with don't offer workers comp for those sorts of productions. Yeah, yeah. It's not really a problem. You can get workers comp two other ways. You can either get it through a payroll company. Your payroll company technically becomes your employer of record. Mm-hmm. 
And so they offer workers comp. And if they're cool with it, then you've got it. Um, and then there are also state providers. You can find them on Google. They're very easy to find. And they exist for you know, normal run-of-the-mill companies that maybe aren't big enough to offer workers' comp or that maybe they don't offer workers' comp um, for this or that profession. Um, they they exist to catch those folks and make sure that they have the opportunity to have coverage. Gotcha. So they're, the state providers aren't production-centric like we are, but for, again, I, I talk with people about their artistic vision, and if that stuff is important, I encourage them to go and try and source that workers' comp from a state provider so that they can have their vision and also have the coverage for their, their crew. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, so with the, with the, you know, kind of going along the lines of the workers' comp a little bit further, um, oh, God. Totally blanked. Just, just totally lost. Tossed, I know we're totally in the insurance weeds right now. Yeah, no, it's all, uh... it's all good. And I just totally blanked out on it. Um, but you did mention, I'll just keep moving on. You did mention something earlier that kind of caught my ear. And this has always been a place that I've wanted further clarification on is errors and omissions. Um, you know, it's something that like you either know about it or you don't. And sometimes the distributors or, you know, investors or whatever, they may require E&O. So can you explain to someone that maybe doesn't know what E&O is, what it is, why you have to have it, and, you know, just kind of unpack E&O a little bit? Yeah, so E&O, errors and omissions, although I've gotten, last week I got a bunch of calls for Arizona missions. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> yes, that is incorrect. You must have just heard that spoken of and thought, why is this an insurance thing? So ENO covers um, covers the liability of of your film for uh, like someone suing you because of copyright infringement um, or because you have the same name uh, as as someone else or because they say um, this is based on my story and I never copyrighted it but it is my story and the filmmaker stole it from me. I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but. Uh, a producer that I knew who was on Sex, Lies, and Videotape way, way, way back in the day with a you know, major studio and major, major film. But there was a woman who was in a photograph, and I can't remember if it was a stock photo or or something like that. It was something they were able to use. But James Spader's character in that movie is, is twisted and weird, and that photo happened to be in his house. So she called the producers and said um, – I'm suing because they used my picture in this house, which they were allowed to use. Um, but because this guy is kind of pervy, uh, you know, they're basically they're slandering me in some way because they use my picture in this house. Hmm. Um, and it was unintentional. And again, they were allowed to use it. But something like that happens in our films, um, especially if you've got a small film that you think no one will ever see. And then, a lot of people do see it. So it gives, it protects you from them, those unintentional sorts of things. Um, often used for like a distributor will want you to have it because if, um, if you don't have it and someone were to take out a suit like that, they, if you don't have it, it'll go straight at the distributor right. and they want to make sure that they have some protection. Um, it's important to say like with any insurance stuff, this is all unintentional. Right. So, 
if you rented a camera and you had great rental equipment coverage and then you picked it up and you threw it on the ground <laughs> on purpose, you know, that might not be covered because <laughs> that was an intentional destruction of property. Right. Um, and same with this. So if if you did, in fact, steal someone's story or if you didn't do a proper title search um, and the you know, the film that you're producing was in fact ripped off from somebody else. Um, you know, you, you open yourself to not being protected because, um, because you did something intentional and, and wrong that gets into sort of the, the criminal right. line, you know, I think the camera, the camera example is good. You can't pick up a camera and intentionally destroy it and hope right. that insurance will pay for it. Right. Well, you're diving right into equipment, so let's mm -hmm. uh, let's head in that direction. Um, our, our gear is expensive. Let's call it what it is. I mean, <laughs> I, you guys you guys are aware of this, and any per, any insurance company is aware of this. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I I have dealt with this. Um, sometimes you have to walk companies back and be like, no, 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 we're not using an Airy Mini. <laughs> We're using, yes, an expensive camera, but it's not that expensive. Um, yeah. Equipment coverage is something that every production person should have um, and every company, I mean, really should have. How many insurance claims do you get a month or a year that are, are avoidable, honestly, for equipment? That's a good question. So thankfully... Thankfully, I don't get a lot of claims. Um, I think the filmmakers that we work with and that choose to work with us tend to be tend to be pretty careful folks. And the folks that keep coming back to us tend to be pretty careful folks. But of course, there's always there's always a few things that that happen. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the last thing that happened. I, um, if you don't have a story, I do, and then we can kind no, of break, go for we, it. we can break that down. So. Yeah. Um, I was up in Rhode Island for a production uh, with a client of mine in, uh, that would have been September of this past year, and I brought my drone up there. So Josh is looking at, you've never heard this story, have you? No. Oh, I'm not, I don't know how I've- All you, the pressure's on right now. I have no idea how you haven't yeah, heard this story. better be good. So I uh, brought my drone up there and was supposed to do two flights and did two flights. So flight one was uh, midday. It was for a TV show that was going to air the next day. Um, and then at sunset, I was supposed to do flight number two. Started flying. Um, we we're in beautiful uh, Newport, uh, Rhode Island uh, for the uh, for anyone who's a football fan. AAC, the American Athletic Conference, um, they were doing their their football pre pre show before the season kicks off, and you know all the big players talk and you know media day coverage and all that fun stuff. So I'm flying and I'm got everything that I need and I start bringing the drone back and I have a spotter with me as I always do even though I'm flying over water and there's no tree no nothing in sight that I'm gonna hit not you know the only thing I'm gonna hit is a bird if a bird hits me essentially mm -hmm. and I'm flying back and I'm flying back I look up my spotter's like oh yeah you're you're clear like you're not gonna hit anything I look back down and from the moment I look up to the moment I look down what one second two seconds and my screen is blue I look back up and my drone is already halfway to, to the water. 
hits the water, lose the drone. Gone, just like that. Oof. I'm, blink of an eye, it's gone. Didn't hit anything. My spotter's looking at me like, the hell just happened? Um, so it, it's lost. I mean, it's... it's a, you, you didn't recover it? No, didn't recover it. I mean, it, it, it's in the bay, um, you know, swimming with the fish to this well, day. Well, it might be might be out in the ocean by oh, now yeah. but yeah. it's gone um yeah. come to find out that it was um a the shortage uh, uh battery shortage so it mm. just battery just faulted and i don't you know i don't know what exactly happened but i brought up um you know it's sending data to my console so i when i you know went back to the hotel that night i plugged it into my laptop and decoded all the um the um metadata and it just says you know battery failure was the last thing that it registered and one second later there's no data so um so my theory roughly and um you know i have um a buddy of mine is an electrical engineer um and i showed him the the you know what it said and kind of explained to him what happened and he's like honestly probably just the battery sent a surge and it one of the cells died and it sent too much power or on the inverse, it just completely shut down and fell out of the sky. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I lost my drone completely. So mm-hmm. when I when I went to my insurance company, I was like, "Look, like you know, this is what happened. Like no one got hurt. Everything's fine. What are my options?" I had to take a loss on it. The what the drone was worth was not even worth the deductible because it was an older drone. I've had it for a few years, and it just wasn't even worth it. So it just, you know, it's like when, I, when you get into a car accident, sometimes you just have to take the loss on the car. Um, yeah. I, but it's same, you know, I have obviously a drone, an aerial video, uh, aerial, what's it called? Uh, aerial device coverage, I believe. Mm-hmm. They don't actually call it a drone. It's aerial device coverage. Please correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong on that. Um, but, I mean, I, I didn't have to, I just took the loss. But... I, because I had insurance, I had options is really the biggest, biggest thing. Um, well, and the thing is, so insurance, any kind of insurance has deductibles. And so in your case, the deductible was higher than your drone was worth. And so you took the loss by $300. I just took the loss over $300. I was like, yeah, it's not worth it. I ended up getting a new drone and I'm happy with everything. I mean, I had, I'd had that thing for three and a half years. It had paid for itself five times over. Um, you know, and it, it sucks. It happens, but that's that's the situation it, it does it does and but if you'd had a fire say and you lost your drone in a fire and you lost cameras and you lost all this stuff you lost maybe all of your business um uh all of your business equipment if you owned it or worse you lost all of this rented equipment um if you don't have insurance you are you're out of luck on your owned equipment and um and you may actually wind up owing something on your rented equipment, and you're liable for all that yourself. So insurance is a transference of risk. So if you don't have any insurance and you own all your own equipment, let's say just for ease of the example, um, you retain all of that risk yourself. You say, okay, I know I could lose $10,000 of equipment in this or that, um, and I'm okay with that risk. Um, and you live with that. And, um, you know, 99 times out of 100, you're going to be you're going to be okay. Um, But insurance helps transfer that risk. So you've got one million dollars of rented equipment for your fifty thousand dollar tiny feature. And um, you know that if you lose all that equipment, not only will your feature not be done, but um, you you could be ruined or your company could be ruined. And so when you take out an insurance policy, 
the insurance company shoulders a lot of that risk of you having all of that equipment out. So that if you did have a loss, and most of the time you will not have a loss. I'm glad that my clients don't have many losses. Um, and I'm very glad. Um, let's keep it that way, guys. And uh, But <laughs> yeah, if you did have a loss... <laughs> <laughs> If, if you did, though, you I mean, there's always going to be an investigation to make sure that all of the property uh, proper procedures were followed, um, et cetera. But you don't have to shoulder that loss alone and your company will survive. Your film will survive. Um, you'll be able to to make your goals. So insurance is very important. Um, I mean, just from a basic financial point of view, um, that you could be ruined if you if you had a big claim, and uh, hopefully you never will in an entire career. But you know, if you did, when you have a good insurance policy, you're safe. And then when we get into workers' comp and stuff, uh, your your crew is safe, and your locations, the people who are collaborating with you, especially the folks that are just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, um, collaborating with you, that they're covered as well. I've. <clears throat> And that's that's interesting. The the from the volunteer side is that like an additional coverage, or is that what does that fall under too? Because I've also heard that people that are volunteers are on set for free aren't covered under workers' comp or can't be covered under the insurance. So is that true, or what's kind of like being misunderstood in that statement? Yeah. So it depends on how the policy is written. So in some states. Uh, workers' comp policy that I could get you would cover volunteers. Uh, in other states, it would be specifically for payrolled employees. Um, one company might write the policy differently than another. Oh, yeah. Often in the states where it would not cover volunteers, there's a thing called um, volunteer accident coverage. It's a very affordable coverage. So if you are a small budget filmmaker and you're making short films and no one is getting paid from your film, well, you may not need workers' comp. You may need volunteer accident. No one's getting paid. Um, no one's even getting deferred payment. But volunteer accident is a, a very affordable coverage that goes to cover those non-payrolled people on your set, the volunteers. Oh, yeah. Or so, interns or whatever they may be. Right. Anyone that's basically not getting paid. Um, yeah. So to kind of follow along those lines, I'm, I'll have two separate questions. I'll start with, you know, low-budget indies. What are some of the, you know, outside of just the general stuff that seems to come with every policy, you know, your, your bodily injury, you know, your workers comp, your, your, your equipment coverage, all that. What are some of the additional coverages, you know, kind of like volunteer, um, that you feel like filmmakers doing indie film should have on their policy that they may not know about. And then the same, and then after we unpack that, I'll get into like larger, probably like $5 million size movies but just for now small indie films what do you think someone should have coverage wise that they may not know about well they may not know about you probably know about um general liability rented equipment and workers comp those are kind of the big ones um a lot of people don't know about third-party property damage which goes to cover damage to your rented premises mm -hmm. that's not just your location that's like crew housing would also be covered your oh, office okay. would be covered um a lot of people assume that general liability covers that, and in many cases, it doesn't. So oh, yeah. I would say third-party property damage is, if you were shooting in my house, I would require you to have it. Um, 
But it would also, you're saying it would also cover like if a crew member did something to an Airbnb they were staying at by yeah, accident, yes. by accident, not intentionally, but you right. know, did something to the hotel or Airbnb that they were staying at that would essentially cover us. Well, so if your film, say your film is an LLC, it's, um, I don't know, Carrie and Chris LLC, because that's the name of your movie. Mm -hmm. um, if Carrie and Chris LLC was renting that Airbnb for its crew, mm -hmm. then that is a rented premises of the, the named insured, the covered party. Now, if it's, if Dan, your lighting guy, picks up his own Airbnb mm. and only Dan is, is renting it, and he does something to that, then that's Dan would be liable to that, not right. the film. Right. Okay. They, they, an argument could be made if, say, you threw an official crew party mm -hmm. at the Airbnb, then that premises is kind of loaned to the film for purposes of the film. Mm -hmm. You could you could make that argument. I haven't had a claim like that, so I haven't had to go through that, <laughs> that process. But technically, it's like. Right. Um, rented, owned, um, or, or, uh, loaned out to that sort of thing. Okay. Sorry. I interrupted you there. So, um, anything past the, the third party? So that's a big one. Uh, negative film and faulty stock is, is big. It's not, not always cheap. Uh, it all, it's cost depends on the film. Mm -hmm. Um, but that covers Things like uh, improper loading into the camera results in footage loss, and it can cover a hard drive crash. Um, things like that. And if you're using film, um, it can cover uh, like a processing error with the, with film. And I say that's really important. It's often one that's left on the cutting room floor as far as policies go because tight budget filmmakers don't often budget enough for that. Right. Um, but every now and again... Uh, someone has a hard drive crash and they weren't properly backed up. And so they lost everything or they lost a whole day wow. and they had to go and reshoot that day. And what, what, I mean, just off the top of your head, what, what does a policy for that, you know, round number, what does something like that, would it typically cost someone? I feel like the minimum for that, it really depends on the film, but I think right. the minimum starts at 400 for okay. a five day low budget, film yeah, yeah and it goes up from there but it will be different um, for a production company who's doing a yearly plan exactly and i wanted to get into that so if you find yourself doing more than three or four productions in a year every time you get a short-term production you pay the minimums for things and you pay them over and over again every every short-term policy you get so you pay the minimum for general liability minimum for workers comp minimum for rented equipment and all that but if you're doing more than three or four films a year, you really should look into an annual policy because you only pay those minimums once uh, and then you pay for whatever else you're using. And if you're doing, I say three or four, because usually after three or four, you wind up saving money on the annual policy um, as you do more films. So it costs you less over a year to pay more one time for an annual policy. And a great thing about the annual policies is they lump in all of these other coverages um, that you choose a la carte on a really short project. Mm. But because it's annual, they're willing to tolerate more risk because um, you're a client for, for longer and you pay a little bit more up front. Um, but it lumps in things like faulty stock um, in negative film. 
so that you don't have to pay for that separate. Uh, also gives you a lot higher equipment limits. So when one job costs, you know, requires more equipment limits, you may be covered. Um, and it even covers things down to, uh, down to like office contents. You break, you, your office has a flood and things break or mess up. Um, you have, you know, up to $10,000 or more to, um, toward those sorts of claims and those come automatically. It's kind of like a big cable package. Mm. You know, you get, you want ESPN and a few other things and you get these other channels with it. And you don't think a whole lot of those other channels until you find out that you, there's something really cool on A and E, um, or you, uh, you have a claim in the insurance world and, uh, you're nervous because you didn't pick that coverage. And then you realize that it was actually always included in your annual policy. Right. What, what's the, the limit for short term as far as time goes, you know, like at what, at what point do you just not even offer short term anymore? And you're like, yeah, great question. So if I quote you, if you're doing three or four productions a year, I'll, I'll quote you for an annual. If you're quote, if you're doing just one production, I'll quote you for, we often say short term policy, but it's a little bit different once I log into my system in our system. A short-term policy is 60 days or less. Gotcha. And that's abacus. That's pretty industry standard. Other people may do it different ways, mm -hmm. but that's pretty standard. And the benefit of a 60-day or less policy is I can choose what days you need coverage. So if you're shooting two interviews a month apart, and it, but it's within that 60 days, I can cover you just for those two days um, instead of you having to take out separate policies. Gotcha. And you can pick and choose the the coverages you want. Generally, general liability is always required. It's like the backbone of uh, production insurance policies. But the other stuff you can pick and choose uh, instead of having that big old cable package altogether. But if you're going beyond 60 days, I have to quote you for what's called a production portfolio, at least in this particular system. And that's that includes that whole cable package, which is great if you're a feature film. You're a $1 million feature film. You're going to be shooting for two and a half months. Um, you want all of those higher equipment limits. You want faulty stock and office contents and all that. But I see this with some filmmakers where they're shooting just on weekends or something like that for their no budget, you know, $500 short film. And the policy is going to cost more than that. And um, if they're shooting for two and a half months, and they, they aren't willing to consolidate, they wind up having to pick up either that production portfolio, which again, for a bigger film, is a, is a good deal. But a tiny, tiny film doesn't need the same sort of coverage as you know, a $1 million feature that needs to be that long. Right. So I, I do encourage filmmakers, if you can, just from an insurance side, your artistic thing and actors' availabilities are completely different. But at least from the insurance side, if your film is less than 60 days, I can cover you more affordably than if it is beyond 60 days, if you're a tiny film and needing to be really tight on your budget. Gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, if you're doing, let's call it five, five or more productions a year, just do the annual plan and and then take that 
full amount and divide it by however product many productions you want and that's how you budget that out appropriately and especially if mm-hmm. you're billing it to a client then you're just like oh well this is costing me whatever we'll just say $2,500 five productions that's $500 and then you just budget $500 per production and mm-hmm. you're going to be covered in case you add a sixth or seventh production and you're not having to go back to the insurance drawing board and you're just you're covered you're good to go you double check you send you know you send your uh insurance rep in this case you an email and say hey um just to double check but i added a sixth production on november 1st i'm still good to go right it's like oh yeah you're you're fine here's your certificate for this location here's your certificate for this rental house have fun shooting yeah it just simplifies your day and i mean that's i'm saying that from firsthand experience i mean we have annual insurance and we have the faulty stock we have the office covered and it's for situations like that like we're not i don't have to get a different insurance policy whether i'm in tampa one day sarasota another jacksonville on you know the following month and i'm just i'm covered i'm good to go i just if anything seems a little off or a little wonky something that's quote unquote not normal or doesn't feel normal i just talk to my insurance rep and verify double check or i just say hey i need a coi for you know this rental house or i need a coi for this location here's the information send it over when you have a minute and I'm, I'm covered. And it actually expedites the process because I'm not having to start the insurance talk all over again every other month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully you only have to deal with it when it comes time to renew um, it because, not, because you've had no claims, right? Knocking on wood right now. Um, Kevin. And, and yeah. then you know you're covered and you're fine. It's also worth saying that these policies, the annual ones, are built off of your gross production cost. That's how much you're paying out on production a year. So you can do as many productions as you, as you need to um, so long as you're within that gross production cost. And if you realize you're going to go higher, like say you're a 50000 a year um, – company and that's what you spend on production each year and then you get some awesome commercial gig and it's going to up you to a million a year i mean that's what we want for all of our clients that people start knocking down the door and um and wanting them to do more uh more work um and and like bigger work and the work they want to do so in that case i say it's kind of like adding on to your house where you add a whole new room onto your house and that's obviously changed your housing value um And if you were to have a fire or some other total loss on your house, you want to make sure that not only the house you used to have, but the entire house is covered. So those of you who have added on to their houses recently, you should call your homeowner's insurance person and let them know the change. Um, It will result in an increase of premium, but it lets you know that your house is covered, your entire house, if anything happened you're going to be fine. And it's the right. same with gross production cost. If you get a million extra dollars of business in a year, which we would love for you to have if you want that, just give me a call and I can get you a quote for what it costs to increase it so that if something happened, you know you're fine. Yeah, so I'm going give to give a little plug here. I dealt with several insurance providers before and you guys were by far probably one of the easiest for cutting COIs that I have ever had before. And if, the, if the fact comp- that I could get it same, like literally the next minute after I needed it was 
so amazing. If a company gives you a trouble with a COI, you need to so, find someone else. Oh my god, that's the. It's just that simple. I, I mean, if they can't do a COI in a quick and efficient manner, yeah. I mean, if if you're gonna COI seven to ten days later, you're going. So my production's already passed. Well, I, mean, e- e- I mean, even 24 <laughs> yeah. hours sometimes can just be a hassle because stuff comes up last minute and you're like, so we have to move, you know, director wants to move this shot over to here. We're going to do this. Uh, they require a COI. I need to be able to go in there and cut a COI as fast as humanly possible. Um, and that was just super easy with you guys. And so I want to give you a little props there. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, so for bigger for bigger stuff, let's say you know we're talking like two and a half five million, the two and a half to five million dollar range. Um, mm-hmm. What happens if I have an actor who is being troublesome on set? You know, goes, you know, gets tanked, comes a set bad. We have to. Is there any sort of protection for us in that sort of scenario? Or if we have to replace an actor, or and we lose shooting days because of it? or we have to extend days or, you know, something is, is, is there any type of, you know, add on to the policy or is there anything in the actual policy that, you know, supports us in that scenario? Yeah. So there's a thing called cast coverage uh, and that covers injury or sickness, or I guess if you're, um, if your actor gets himself, uh, gets himself sick, uh, after a crazy night, and uh, changes shooting days, cast coverage kicks in and provides some support there. And uh, with these sorts of things, as with anything very specific that you're worried about, um, there are all sorts of different coverage possibilities out there. So cast coverage is the general one, but you can always call your insurance agent um, or broker like me, and uh, I'll talk with the insurance company and try to find something that best suits the particular situation that you're in. so that you know if this thing comes up Mm -hmm. uncovered yeah so you know if we're maybe hiring you know an actor that's known to have issues or trouble and we're Mm -hmm. worried about it becoming an issue just being up front with you about that is probably exactly yep okay well and and there's there are examples in the world of insurance where someone is too risky to an insurance company and they're not willing to cover them there's Mm -hmm. the famous uh this i have not had this but the, there's the famous example of Tom Cruise on on uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, the one where they're in Dubai, and he's on oh, the Burj Khalifa Ghost Protocol. Yeah, Ghost yeah. Protocol, and he wants to actually be outside of the window on the Burj Khalifa and um, and do that scene, you know, in in real time. And uh, the insurance company, just massive insurance company that can take all sorts of risk, was like, "This guy's worth over a billion dollars." And he wants to hang off of the wall, the world's tallest building. Um, we, we don't want to cover that. And uh, so Tom Cruise said, fine, fire him. I'm Tom Cruise. Someone else will insure it. Jeez. <laughs> and, um, and sure enough, someone else did. Um, and we're talking massive, massive uh, insurance companies. So not uh, and production. So right. that's not the sort of work that Ratbook usually does. Right, right. Um, you know, we'd love to, but you know, that's not the sort of work that we usually do, nor that our any filmmaker listening to this is probably usually doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would be a you know, nice problem to have. Yeah, maybe Tom Cruise listens to your podcast. That'd be cool. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but <laughs> not even, not know, even only, a chance. Only there. in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
I wake up in the you morning know, and have voicemail messages explaining how awesome he thought the last episode was, you know. So <laughs> that would be great. Um, and I live in New Orleans, so I'm always on the look for like there's probably someone random here vacationing, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, just like I was saying with stunt scenes where I will say, OK, this is what the insurance company is, is telling me, um, you know, they won't offer workers comp for this or this buyback. For if you do the stunt this way, costs more than you want. Um, here are some ways that we could perhaps work it in a way that they might cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or if that's really important to you, if it's really important to have Tom Cruise dangling off of that building, you find a way to right. make it happen. Right. Um, I just encourage, you know, I love uh, Fitzcarraldo and crazy Werner Herzog films very much. Um, but now I watch them now that I do insurance, I watch them in a very different way where, uh, <laughs> they, they cut the rope on a riverboat and, uh, and Herzog and his crew and his crazy actor go down the rapids in a riverboat. Like, I don't think they had any insurance for that, but, um, and they, all of those crew members were, were into it. They went to Peru so that they could do that film in that crazy sort of fashion. They knew the risks that they were taking. But for so many of us, filmmaking is, it's a job. It's taking another, taking another job. And this job happens to be this person's passion project that they put years and years and years into. But I'd encourage, no matter how passionate about your film that you are, to remember that people are, are giving you their time and their lives are in your hands in some cases. And um, I think you've always got to protect your crew Treat them safely. You never know what's going to happen on a film set, and they should always be able to know that um, they're coming to a safe workplace, and um, and that they're going to be okay. There's there's too many examples of the Midnight Riders and things like that where we tried to push and get a little bit extra, and and something bad happens. So that's me as a filmmaker speaking, but as an insurance person, I want to always know what your vision is. Um, when it comes to something difficult like a stunt or um, or an actor or something like that, I want to know what that is, and we'll try and make it work. And if there are limits there, I'll try and let you know what those limits are so that you can work within them and uh, and make the art that you want while keeping everybody safe and knowing that you're covered. Yeah, because if you're not forthcoming, then you're not going to get covered. And if you're not covered, then what's the point? Right, and if you were to say something like, um, you know, we're not going to do this stunt. And so you get signed up for workers comp and everything because there's no stunt that was dangerous and disqualifying. So you say you're not going to do it. Well, and then you decide that you are going to do it. And then someone gets hurt doing that stunt. Uh, that's fraud. And, um, that means that you very well might not have that claim covered and you might be exposed to a lawsuit or that person's medical expenses or whatever. So I want to make sure that um, I'm always open with you. My job as a broker means that I'm not attached to an insurance company like Big One. At Ratbook, we work with you guys to try and find what works best for you and your productions. So, you know, if... Um, so I'm going to try to find out what's what works best for you guys and make it happen. Yeah, you're, uh, and you're, you're kind of working on our behalf too. Yeah, yep. and even if that means that I, I can't cover something, I will give you everything I know so that 
you may have to get a coverage from another broker um, who's willing to cover this or that particular thing. But I bank on that I'm, I help you, you know that I'm forthcoming, I'm always going to be straight with you, so that when you do your next production, you'll come back. So last question for me is, is there anything, you know, is there any type of new coverage or anything new that's kind of popped up recently due to things that have been happening on set or, you know, you kind of mentioned AB5, um, just kind of, is there anything that you can say, like, this is on the horizon for insurance and film world, you know, to be aware of, or like, you know, this is happening. Yeah, I think AB5 is the biggest thing. Okay. Uh, lots of questions about uh, – so for those of you who don't know, California Assembly Bill 5 is the – we might call it the Uber ruling. Um, the ruling that said that Uber drivers are no longer independent contractors but that they're employees. And that has a lot of impact on us as um, – in the film industry. We – very few of us work for a studio and continue to work for that. A, a lot of us are – freelance and we work job to job depending on who hires us so every state's going to be a little bit different we're very interested to see how this spreads out but um it is challenging us to think the people are the people that we've always called independent contractors are they really or are they employees um there's i don't know if y'all want to really get into that that gets into some different um, yeah, there's territory. a, there's a lot to unpack with that as yeah. far as, you know, just like accounting and, you know, payroll and I mean, at this point, it's just, so, so many different States also handle it differently themselves. But, you know, just from a, I was just kind of interested from an insurance side, you know, kind of, you know, what was on the horizon. Yeah. So that's, that's perhaps the biggest hot topic of the insurance world right now is people trying to figure out, um, mm. do they need workers comp to cover Right. Their employees where they used to always have independent contractors. Um, I, as an insurance person and as a former AD who's, you know, in part in charge of people's safety, I tend to always think cover your crew, right. cover your people. Right. Um, but so that's one drone, I think, will begin to change as drones are more and more ubiquitous. A lot of insurance policies will require you to have an expensive buyback every time you use a drone. And I think that's going to be changing. Mm. Um, I don't know for sure, but there are some pop-up little things that specialize in drone liability that can provide blanket liability. And the insurance industry, I think, is is catching up to that. So that'll be interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, that's one personally I'm kind of dreading, to be honest with you, is the drone um, I mean, the, the laws are changing with the FAA every six months, it seems. Heck, every four months at times. Um, and it's only a matter of time before the um, insurance side changes just as rapidly with with drones. There's there's just there's too many opportunities for failure, and that's where the problem lies. And the people who are, not, are flying illegally and flying and crashing are the the culprits. I mean, my one crash in five years of flying a drone, and it was a complete and utter accident, random fluke incident, and it fell in water. And, and yeah, we know you're a bad pilot already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's there's going to be a lot more changes on the drone side. That's for sure. And, yeah. um, I've already seen it in the last year, just on how my policy changed. <laughs> 
Yeah, something I'm kind of excited about is that the policies that I get to work with most often don't have the ability to offer blanket drone liability coverage. But I see that's something that filmmakers really want and need, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that the ubiquity of drones begins to change um, and we're able to offer some more flexible drone coverage to filmmakers than what we're able to currently. Awesome. Well, dude, that uh, we almost two minutes shy of an hour, but man, we appreciate the hell out of you. That was awesome. Definitely like to have you back on again in the future. Yeah, I'd love to. I would love to. And um, thanks for for letting me be on my first podcast ever. This feels <laughs> very official and fun. No, it's all good, man. We try to have fun with it. You know, try to get some information out to people at the same time. You know, our whole thought with the process has been like, what did we need to know when we were first getting started? You know, what would have been useful for us to to have known? And um, you know, this is definitely one of those items. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for people who have now listened to the whole episode and go, oh, I, I need insurance, um, we definitely <laughs> we definitely recommend they, they talk to you. And um, what's the easiest way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, so we are at rapbook.com, W-R-A-P, like that's a rap book. And we do both insurance and, and payroll, uh, easiest and most affordable payroll out there um, in entertainment. And hopefully, hopefully, time will tell, it'll be a game changer. So insurance, we're not able to use technology to drive the prices down as much as we can on payroll because insurance is dependent on big companies that have set premiums and we already charge as low as we possibly can. But if you need to, the easiest way to go uh, to to get a quote for us or to demo our payroll software is to go to wrapbook.com and click on get a free insurance quote that gives me all the information I need to get you a quote. And then after that, I'd love to talk with you on the phone, um, find out what your needs are, tweak it however we need to, that we meet the requirements of your rental houses and all that, the things you have to meet and also meet the needs of your film. So, um, and then we bind it and you go and make an excellent picture and, um, and, uh, and then we do business again later. Yeah. Lovely love optimism. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you got to this. Most insurance folks just get to push paper all day and they get to cover folks. And the best insurance people are the ones who get excited because they saved their clients money or their clients had a claim and they knew that they were fine um, or their clients had some new thing that they were stepping out into and didn't know what they were doing um, or what it would look like. And their insurance agent made them feel comfortable about it and let them know, at least from the insurance side, that they were going to be covered. And so I try to channel that as well. And the only reason that Cameron and I, I do this is because we're filmmakers ourselves and we like working with filmmakers. That brings us a lot of joy right. to help people make the productions that they want, whether it's your, your dream or your latest HVAC video that's going to help pay for your kid's college. <laughs> Man, I so, wish I had an HVAC video that paid for my kid's college. I would do a couple of those. You know, some of them paid quite well. Um, I see the budgets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate your and time, I Thank man. you so much. Really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Look forward to talking with you all again sometime. Kevin, it's the end of the podcast. What do we need people to do for us? We need people to leave us a review on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever they listen to their podcasts. Yeah, and that's pretty important for us because, you know, as we grow and bring on new guests, it's going to help us kind of get to the top of those rankings and, you know, be able to bring new and more important people on. 
And right. on that note, if you have anyone that you would think we should talk to or any topics you want us to, uh, to cover, please reach out to us on uh, Instagram at uh, FGI Podcast. Send us a message. It goes to Josh and I, and we will uh, we will talk to you there. I'll just forward it to Kevin. Yeah, make me to do the work. Yeah, that's what I'm good at. That puts a wrap on this episode. We record this live at Two Stories Media in Clearwater, Florida, and it's sponsored by Greenland Entertainment and Two Stories Media.